Hey guys, you're listening to Totally Stoked Podcast with Amelia Travis, yoga teacher and wild child turned multi-six-figure business coach, writer, speaker, and spiritual warrior. Totally Stoked is an experiment in radical honesty. On this show, there's only two rules, show up and tell the truth. Each week, we share uncensored, truth-telling, shame-busting conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, visionaries, and modern-day mystics revealing their rise to thrive stories, current challenges, and sharing their most powerful tools for awakening, growth, and well-being. This is your place to let down your guard, open your heart, and remember that being human is a crazy, wild ride, but you don't have to do it alone. So buckle up, baby, because we're heading full speed ahead to radical self-love and a totally stoked life. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back, you guys, to another episode of Totally Stoked Podcast with your girl, Amelia Travis. I am super excited to welcome a guest today um, who I recently got to know and I'm excited to speak with because she has lived um, and is currently living a couple of the dreams that are on my heart. This is a woman who has um, traveled the world for eight months while simultaneously growing her marketing agency and writing a book. She's an incredible um, content creator who runs a very successful content marketing agency, upcoming author of a book um, about her experiences and how to live life with intention. Her entire brand is about living life with intention despite childhood trauma and the living beliefs that come along with that Um, because this practice for her is what helped her move across the country, build a thriving business, have the courage to go travel the world and share her experiences with others to help them see that they can change their reality by embracing the power of choice. So she's a powerhouse when it comes to social media, marketing. She's the founder and CEO of Just Get Thiefels Consulting, a friend of mine, and I hope soon to be a friend of yours. Please welcome to the show, Jessica Thiefels. Thank you so much for having me. What an intro. <laughs> You're welcome. So a little backstory, you guys. Um, Jessica was referred to me by Kelly Cochran, who you guys have heard on the show, the author of Loud Blonde. Um, And the day that Jessica arrived in my inbox, or maybe like the day before, our family had just decided that we are going to late 2020, early 21, uh, leave the United States and move to Europe and do some significant traveling. And I was having a lot of fear around that um, and just like, you know, um, dissonance, like cognitive dissonance, like, oh, can we really do this? Do we really want to do this? And then I got this email, like one of those warm three-way emails, like, hey, Amelia, meet my friend, Jessica. Jessica is an author and um, content marketer who just spent the last year traveling the world with her fiance or husband husband with her husband. And she went to all these countries. And while she was traveling, she wrote a book and I was like, ha, look at that. The universe is providing me the perfect example of someone who's doing or just did exactly what I want to do. So it felt like one of those cosmic connections. And we decided to jump on a short call. Um, and she's just a fount of, of wisdom specifically around, um, around mindset and limiting beliefs and, and really the power of intentional choice. And so that's what we're going to, she's going to share some, um, 
some of her insights with us today about how she's used the power of intentional choice to really create a life of freedom. Um, so, so Jess, tell us a little bit about your backstory because, you know, we can hear like, oh, okay, she's an author. She's got a content marketing agency. She's traveling the world. Like she's just living the life. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got to this life of, of freedom. Um, where are you from? Who are you? What's your story? Yeah. So I'm actually from Vermont. I've lived in San Diego for the last eight years. Um, and I like to believe that a lot of this sort of intentionality that I've brought to so much of my life, even from, you know, being as young as high school and college, even if maybe I didn't realize I was being that way, um, comes from my upbringing, which I've only just started diving into in the last probably year and a half. Um, but my biological father, who was sort of in and out of my life, uh, was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And he would just like, he would go to take me, he was divorced from my mom. My mom left him. Um, and he would come to pick me up for the weekend and just not show up. And so I was like this little three-year-old girl with her backpack over her shoulders waiting to go spend time with her dad and he just didn't show up or he'd show up drunk. And so my mom would have to make him leave. And then we would immediately divert our attention. And she, she once told me, um, I can't tell you how many times we went to the toy store because we would go try to buy you a toy because we didn't like want you to be sad. Um, and he wasn't there. And then uh, the last time I saw him, I slammed a door in his face. Um, when I was 18 years old, he showed up drunk on the doorstep of my family's home. I slammed a door. I went to college. Three months later, I came home and he was dead. Um, and so as I process all that, because I didn't do that for 10 years, I'm now 31. Um, as I just processed that in my 30s, I see that a lot of this, I think, intentionality comes from the fact that he was very much not intentional and he, he allowed himself to get lost in the alcohol and the drugs because he was scared, um, scared of fucking up, scared of being a dad, um, scared of life. And he didn't know how to be my father. And I think I found without sort of consciously being aware of it, um, this sort of power in myself to push past the surface level stuff, which is exactly what he allowed lead, to lead him and sort of dive in deeper and push myself to do the hard things, the things that were scary, the things that I was fearful of and just get intentional about those things. And um, that's sort of what drove me. I, I moved across the country right after college with my now husband um, at 23, which is wild to think at 23 that I did that. Um, I built a business, I bought a house, we traveled the world. I wrote a book that I'm not trying to publish. So there's always been this little piece of intention and sort of, sort of taking control of my life. I have one of the tattoos I have is write your own story. And I think a big piece of that comes from seeing how, I mean, I guess he did write his story, but he was also sick, you know, being an addict, you're, you have a disease and I didn't want to let something like that take control of my life and write my story. So I've decided to do it for myself. Interesting. I think one of the things you said that really stuck out was he was scared. He didn't know how to be a dad. He didn't know, you know, how to be present for you. Um, 
and then how you know his fear and lack of knowing how created in you a resolve to to take action and to move um despite fear or with fear um and the subtext of that that you didn't say but was and also when you don't know how Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that's i really want to emphasize that for people listening because you know if you've been a long time listener um you know that the first podcast episode that I ever created was um, about starting before you're ready. Um, and then there was one that came shortly after about the power of aligned decision. And in both of these, we're talking about this idea um, that nobody fucking knows how, like, we don't know how <laughs> pull back the curtain. Like there are certain things that we know how to do. And, and in terms of um, technical things, like, you know, just you're a content marketers. So you know how to optimize SEO. You know how to um, create an effective social media post, right? But when you're starting a new endeavor, like writing a book or like deciding to travel the world, um, are you entering into that knowing how you're going to do everything? Yeah. I mean, no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, traveling the world, it's uh, traveling the world, I had no idea how easy it would be, quite frankly. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot harder. And it, I'm in the process of publishing this book now. And there's so much I don't know. I mean, I'm actually this week sort of like in the throes of self-doubt and dealing with rejection and, and questioning what I'm here to do and if I can make an impact. And I mean, what I say in my book is that if if you're scared, if you don't know what you're doing, you're probably moving in the right direction because that's mm -hmm. always going to be there when you're doing something big and important and impactful. Mm -hmm. Well, and every, every single thing that we do in this life, for the most part, um, beyond things that are just a primal, a primal instinct, we when we first start, we don't know how, right? We don't know how to walk. We don't know how to speak. We don't know how to um, be in relationship with people. Like all of these things are learned. So the reason I say that before we get into talking about really the power of intentional choice is that one of the things that I hear most often from people in coaching or in the social media space is like, I really want to do this thing, but I don't know how. I really mm. want to start my business, but I don't know how. I really want to travel the world, but I don't know how. I really want to write a book, but I don't know how. And it's like, great, perfect. And <laughs> are you going to stay there or are you going to do something about that? Um, so I would love to hear like, Tell us a little bit about, you know, this book, you're currently in the throes of self-doubt, but, um, but let's just invite everybody who's listening to, to also hold the vision and bring it into being with you. What's, what's the book about? The book is about, um, really going from, and I, I use the word dreaming a lot. And I think we all roll our eyes, like follow your dreams. Cause we were raised hearing that. And then as adults, we sort of we grow up and all the idea of following your dreams seems so corny because it's like, well, hi, I'm in real life now. I'm an adult. But the reality is, I mean, I've followed and achieved multiple dreams. And so the book is basically taking you in to forward motion. 
starting to take advantage of this power that we all have within our side ourselves that we just don't usually, or maybe don't know we have, which is the power of choice. So if you don't know how, you have the power to choose to figure that out. You can take the first intentional step, which is to find the first person you know and ask them, how did you travel the world? Or to get on the most ridiculous tool we have at our fingertips, Google, and just start researching. It's all about taking that first step. Um, and to sort of pull it back a little bit, the very first part of, of the book is, in my opinion, the most important, which is all mindset. So there's a lot of reasons why we aren't taking intentional steps in our lives. And all of those are mental. Um, you might be afraid of what other people are going to say about it. You might be afraid of being judged, afraid of being seen as selfish. Um, you know, we're imbued with so many limiting self-beliefs as we grow up from the people that we're surrounded by. And all of these things are dictating whether or not we're making choices that are getting us closer to where we want to go. Um, and so the book you know, how teaches you how to leverage that power of intentional choice, starting by diving in further and saying, why am I not doing that yet? How do I heal that? And then how do I take that first step? How do I create a plan? How do I continually choose to do the work? Because it will be a journey, no matter what it is that you choose to do. And then, you know, how do I turn my dream life into a reality? Well, I'd love to take people, I'd love to, to take all of us maybe through this in a way that is going to actually spark a little bit of transformation. So, um, so let's unpack all of that a little bit more deeply. And as we do, Jess, like, would it be helpful for them to, for anyone listening to like actually think about something that you want or that you want to do um, something specific so that you kind of have a context or do you think we can apply what we're going to talk about today? Just keeping it kind of general around, um, whatever you may want to do, this is, this is going to work toward for. Yeah. Let's have, let's have listeners, um, go ahead and choose something. And, and you know, that thing, you probably already know it and you're even resisting writing it down. That one thing, that big thing, um, travel the world, write a book, get a new job. The mm -hmm. big thing might be seemingly a small thing. What's that thing you want to do that you haven't done yet? Write that down and then keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to play along to you guys and I'm going to, um, gosh, I have two things, so it's tricky, but I'm going to do this for the conference that I am producing, um, <laughs> this fall. Um, but that I still have a ton of resistance around. So, so you said the first thing that we want to do, we're going to identify what this desire is in our minds, um, what we want to do. And then you said your book takes us first through like limiting beliefs through the reasons that we're not we're not doing it. So can, and you, you named a few, but can you unpack and explain maybe a couple of those that you find are most, most common for people or that were most common for yourself? What, why are we not doing the things that we really, really want to do? Yes, absolutely. Let's definitely dive into that. Um, let's talk about a few. The first one being, um, we're waiting for the right moment <laughs> that I think is probably the first one I hear. Um, you always seem to think, oh, next week will be better. Or for parents, oh, when my kids graduate high school or, um, when I have time off, I'll write the first chapter of my book. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the bottom line is right here while we're talking on this podcast, while you are listening to this podcast, now is the time to start 
right now always is the time to start. Um, so if that's you're easy to that, say, you know, but why, why is this the time to start? Because there's never going to be a flashing neon sign that says go now. We're mm -hmm. always going to have resistance. We're almost always going to have some sort of fear, some sort of self doubt. Um, and it's like, I feel like, how can I compare it? It's like some people have said to me, um, uh, you're never going to know if it's the right time to have a kid. And it's like, I don't know if that's true, but maybe it's just, I don't know. I don't know how to give more example. Um, what, I can speak to that one. I would say like, yeah. I would say, you know, you're never going to know if it's the right time to have a kid. And at the same time, like you can say, okay, well, when we have this amount of money in savings or when right. we have this house or when we have this thing. But what I learned after having a child is that all that child actually, I mean, yes, they need things and they need diapers and things cost money and all of that. And this is not to be insensitive to anyone, you know, who, who had a child in difficult circumstances, but ultimately they need parents who love them. Um, and that's basically it. And, and our capacity is usually not there until we do the thing. Right? right. And so that goes back to the not knowing how it's like, yeah, I was terrified to become a mother because I thought I didn't know how, or I thought I wasn't ready or whatever. And I, I wasn't, and I didn't know how, <laughs> and then I had a child and the child teach, teach me, he taught me how to be a mom. You know what I mean? And my capacity yeah. grew. And so I think there's a lot of things where we're waiting because we think that there's going to be a time that's better than now. And like, yeah, on the cliche level, um, tomorrow's not promised. And actually this moment is the only moment that we actually have. Um, and then I would say like, there's also a way to like honor this big, big thing that you want to do. Um, and if you're like, but it really like literally is not possible in this moment, then ask yourself like, well, what is, what is an action step? What is a version of this thing that I can do now that I do want to do now? Like, how can I take a step towards it so that at least we're directing energy towards it instead of allowing it to just sit there stagnant um as nothing more than you know an idea or a dream so one of the things is time right this idea about it's not the right time what else jess holds us back from taking action i think there's i see a lot a major fear of being judged um, I think a lot of times we see these amazing things we want to do, but we think people are going to make fun of us or maybe our family is going to think it's unrealistic and they're going to judge us for wanting to start a business or wanting to quit our job and go back to school. Um, and that's another thing like fear. I think that's, it's not, I think it is totally normal, but that it's, it's going to be there. There's often going to be that fear because there will always be people who are going to judge you. I mean, some of the most important people in our world today are judged because when you have something powerful that you want to do, you're always going to, there's always going to be going to be people that fall on one side or the other. And so just sort of knowing that and allowing, allowing that to be there, allowing the awareness of, okay, I'm scared of being judged. Like we can be, we can be judged. Like it's not gonna, it's not going to hurt us. It's not going to slow us down. And we're all, also going to be supported and there's going to people be people out there who want to see us succeed and so trying to balance that fear with 
the other side of it, which is like the, it's the, what if I fail, but what if I succeed, you know, balancing it with that, what if I succeed side, mm-hmm. um, is another one that I see. And, and also knowing that when people are judging you, like it's really their thing. What people say to you has more to do with them than it does with you. Um, I give a really good, some really fun examples in the book of like, um, if you've been laughed out of the conference room because you gave like a really good, I gave an idea at work. Um, it's because the people you're pitching to are so stuck in their ways that the idea of trying something new scares them. So instead of addressing that, they make fun of you or they judge you for this idea. Um, or, you know, your parents are trying to uphold a certain reputation for themselves. And so when you decide that you want to quit this hugely successful career to go back to the beginning and learn something new in school, they're scared of how that's going to make them look. And so therefore the judgment falls on you. Um, so just sort of recognizing that. And that's a really tough one, but that's one that with recognition and awareness, we can move through really easily, I think. Perceived judgment is really interesting to me. Like I have struggled so much with perceived judgment. And I say perceived because it's usually one-sided. Like, it's like, I don't even actually know that people are judging me. I just think that they're judging me. Right. Um, and I'll just share in full transparency that even the brand, the brand transition that I'm currently going through moving from Stoke Yogi to Amelia Travis and women awake. Um, there's been so much fear in that of how people how people might judge me, um, that they might think, oh, well, her other business failed or, which by the way, it didn't, (laughs) or, oh, well, um, or judging me as I embrace, you know, this, this new, um, call of womb healing and, and working in priestess arts and working with, um, women's menstrual mysteries and these things that are really, to many people seem very, very weird. Right. And, um, fear around people judging me, really judging my spirituality has been a huge part of, of what has slowed me down. I wouldn't say stop me or help me back, but what has slowed me down. And so one question that's really helped me, you guys with perceived judgment is like, what meaning are you making of that perceived judgment? And what I mean by that is like, okay, so people judged me when I shifted my relationship um, from being self-identified as a Christian to saying, I can't really self-identify in that word anymore because even though I have a relationship with Jesus, I also have this relationship with the sacred feminine. I also believe in in a non-dualistic, you know, framework that says all roads lead to the mountaintop. Um, But I was so afraid of sharing that all publicly because I thought people would judge me. And so then the question that I had to ask myself is like, and then what meaning will I make of that judgment? And what followed was I'm making the meaning that because they are judging me, that I am wrong or bad or inherently flawed. And so to me, I was like, is then, is that true? And that was easy for me to say, no, I know I'm not wrong or bad or inherently flawed. So then it's like, okay, so then it's only that I'm making that meaning of the perceived judgment that it would even matter. So if I can let go of that meaning and say like, yep, people are judging me. Great. And I'm going to choose to not make any meaning of that beyond the fact that people judge. Cause that's like, as you said, just something that people do. <laughs> We're humans and we judge things like that's just what we do. <laughs> um, so it's not, it's not a good time. Um, people might judge me or what else? Are there any other 
big ones that keep us from doing what we what we want to do? Yeah, I think one that is talked about a lot that can be taken in a lot of different places is just limiting self-beliefs. Um, you know, things that we came to believe as children and as we were becoming adults that are just not true. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, totally uh, on board with this, but yeah. I, I also will say that because there's so much, um, just so much bullshit out there around like limiting beliefs and mindset work where, you know, people are, are, um, are using this it's sometimes to do kind of like uh, spiritual bypassing or even gaslighting, right? Like, oh, well, your life's all fucked up. You must have limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. So I think we definitely need to unpack this more for people because um, it almost creates a culture or it can create a culture of kind of like blaming the victim or like, or like mm -hmm. feeding like guilt and shame, which is not productive. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to find like, just, or just like expand on it of like, what kind, cause I'll share, you know, one of the most common limiting beliefs is I'm not good enough. Right. Especially mm -hmm. with women. Um, we run that shit on autopilot and it's, it's a lot because we're socially and culturally conditioned to believe we're not good enough. And that's through, um, you know, the diet industry, the beauty industry, um, you know, false beauty standards, um, our, our, obsession with like celebrity culture and money. And so there's all of these different standards that we can hold ourselves to and, and find that we're not good enough. And then you combine that with like the, um, wound of, um, sexual violence or spiritual oppression to areas where women specifically are often, um, victimized, villainized, or oppressed. And there's a lot of reasons that we might believe that I'm not good enough, but let's talk a little bit about, since this is an area you're really passionate about, um, is mindset shift. How do we actually change limiting beliefs when we can identify them? Absolutely. I mean, that's where, that's where the really deep work comes in. And that's where I say, I give recommendations like working with a coach or working with a therapist because the limiting beliefs, you can see it. It's like you can see sort of, let's say the, the flower or I don't know, something less pretty, a patch of grass on the top of the earth, but what you can't get to are the roots. And it's really hard. You have to change the conversation. So for me, let me think, um, you know, I've had a limiting belief that I'm a bitch for mm. a really long time because mm. I grew up being someone who was outspoken bold, honest. I always said what was on my mind. And while there is space, there's always space that we can sort of maybe spruce up the way we do things. Maybe I don't always need to say everything that's on my mind, but at the same time, that was constantly holding me back. I mean, to the point that for many years I would get so annoyed because my husband would, I'd say something and he'd go, what did you say? And I'm like, I'm sitting right here. He's like, you're mumbling. Like I literally was lowering my voice physically. Mm -hmm. Because so many people had told me that I was a bitch or that I was rude or that I said something that wasn't nice um, and it was held against me. And so to, for me to get into that limiting belief and overcome it was just to sort of do the hard work of like, what were those people saying? And do you honestly believe that's true? And let's look at the experiences and the things that you've done that prove that in fact, you're actually a really kind, compassionate honest, loving person. 
And that doesn't just happen with one therapy session or one call that happens with really allowing yourself to sink into the work and to be guided in ways that maybe you aren't ready to guide yourself or not capable of guiding yourself yet. There, there are so many tools that we can use that maybe we don't know are available to us. And then the more we can sort of fill up our toolbox, the more we can work toward tackling those other different limiting self-beliefs. I mean, we all have lots of them. I have lots of them. Um, but it's committing to the work. It's committing to figuring out what's going on and figuring out how that's holding you back. So, so, and thank you for answering that. And so I'm going to challenge uh, one, well, not necessarily challenge, but say, um, what can we do to make sure that we don't get stuck in the mm-hmm. limiting belief work? Because I see this a lot in coaching and it kind of drives me fucking bananas, to be honest with you, is that people, um, will be like, well, I'm just like, I just like have all of these limiting beliefs and I'm like, okay, great. And <laughs> like, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Like, and so when I say, how do we overcome them? And one of the things that you offered is like, first identify, second examine if it's true, third, create a new belief system. Right. And that's like pretty much the process that we need to go through. Um, but I find that people get stuck there. So, you know, do you have, um, of a suggestion of how to not get just stuck in your limiting belief work? Because you said, you know, we all have a lot of them. I have a lot of them present tense. Like you still have them, but you're obviously still moving forward. So how do we have limiting beliefs and move anyway? I think there's an awareness. There's a really important awareness piece and being honest with yourself. So I think it's, it's one thing to say, I have limiting beliefs. Um, How do I say this? Like, I know I have limiting beliefs, but I also have done enough work to know that those don't need to hold me back. I can actively work on them while building this business, building this brand, traveling the world. And so I think there's an honesty with yourself where you say, am I resisting? Am I using this as an excuse to resist the work that I'm Mm -hmm. scared to do? Um, Or is it actually physically not possible for me to do that work right now because of where I'm at? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just an accountability. That's an integrity piece that you need to sort of tackle that no one can tackle for you. I mean, so much of this work, you have to be holding yourself accountable to it. Um, mm-hmm. you have to be the one that gets yourself to the person who can help you figure out what's going on underneath, but then you ultimately have to take yourself out of that and propel yourself forward. Use what you've learned, use these new belief systems to take you on that path. Um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think one thing I would also offer is like, actually two things. One, there's nothing that compares to the power of an aligned decision. And so we're here talking about overall the power of intentional choice, but, and, and to circle that back on itself, you have to make the choice that you are either overcoming, transforming, transmuting, or releasing these limiting beliefs, or you can make the choice that you're moving forward and they can come along for the ride, but you're moving <laughs> forward. Um, right. Because, you know, and one thing that if you guys listen back to um, the episode with Taylor Simpson, one of the things that she offered was to, instead of claiming it, instead of saying like, I have this limiting belief or, 
whatever, to say, I'm in the process of shifting this belief or to say, I'm, I'm in the process of learning and then the new belief that you're trying to embody. Um, so, so really like having some uh, practices, some intentional practices around your language um, and like just you're saying the self-awareness around like, you know, an accountability to yourself of not allowing, not allowing your limiting beliefs to just be an excuse, but to recognize that like, okay, those are one of the initial areas of resistance. And um, we got to, we got, we have to decide that we're moving beyond that anyway. Yes. Um, okay. So so we think it's not time. We think people are going to judge us. And then we just have this like plethora of limiting beliefs. Um, if we're doing the work and we've identified what those limiting beliefs are, we've realized that we're going to take action now because the right time is maybe never coming. And um, we found a way to make peace with the fact that other people might judge us. Um, then, then what? Then how do we systematically leverage the power of intentional choice? Um, how do we even create a strong intention in the first place? Yeah, a strong intention of like choosing what it is that you want to do or where you want to go mm -hmm. working toward. Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I talk about in part two of the book, um, which is all just sort of filled with tools you can use, I call it your leap toolbox. So tools you can use to start moving in the right direction. And when I say start moving in the right direction, I mean taking the very first step, doing the one thing, doing the research on where you might want to travel, looking into what that certification process looks like, whatever it is. Um, and the number one, the very first tool I give is listen to your intuition. Um, something that's been hugely, hugely powerful for me. And the reason I bring it up is because it's actually something that's really simple to do, but really easy to avoid. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you're like me, you have a million, you know, internet tabs open in your mind at all times. And that's noise. It's loud noise. And when you have that much noise in your mind and you don't allow yourself some intentional silence, your intuition isn't going to be able to pop up. It's not going to be able to come in there and say, hey, this is what's going on because there's a lot already happening in your head that you're paying attention to. Um, and so if you don't even know what it is you want to do, in my opinion, the very first step in what I've found has been helpful is to get quiet. Um, and there are many ways to do that. Um, I know meditation, probably your listeners actually are probably interested in meditation, but a lot of people that scares them. Mm -hmm. um, the idea of sitting quietly for even five minutes um, is a scary thing. But if you're not ready to jump into meditation, journaling um, is another really valuable tool for tuning into your intuition, which is going to tell you what it is you want to do. It's going to allow that authentic desire to come through, basically. So mm -hmm. you're not as much listening to what people think you should do or what society thinks you should do you're allowing that little voice to pop up and say, but I want to do this. And it's not being crowded out by everything else in your mind because you're giving it the space to speak. So when you say journaling, um, if people like struggle with that, if they're like, well, I don't, I, I don't like keeping a diary. Is that the kind of journaling that you're talking about? Or what would that 
potentially look like? Yeah. So that's exactly what I want to talk about because no, I've never been a person that keeps a diary or I've tried journaling every day. And honestly, I just think it's stupid. <laughs> um, I don't generally have that much to journal about. Um, I find there are a few ways that are really helpful for me with journaling. The first is just writing words. So if I'm giving myself, let's say 10 minutes of just like intentional stillness. Um, and ideally you're taking something into that journaling session that you're trying to noodle on that you're trying to figure out. So in this case, maybe it's like, what do I really want to do? So as you sit into that question, you sit down, nothing else around you, you're thinking about it. What words are coming to mind and just write them down. So it might be annoyance, stupid, irritation, but as you sort of allow yourself to accept those things that are coming on in your mind, I find that you slowly start to move into what is really underneath. And so maybe you write down um, teacher. Maybe you've always wanted to be a teacher, but that means you have to go back to school. And so slowly these things start coming out as you just put really little pressure on the journaling aspect. It's just a way of moving things from inside of you, outside of you, so that you can start to recognize them. Um, that's something that I use all the time. Um, another thing I talk about in the book is three point journaling, which is just essentially three questions. So if you're sitting down with a moment of silence, giving yourself five minutes, there are three questions to ask yourself that are going to allow you to sort of tap into whatever's happening right now under the surface. The first is how do I feel right now? Um, tip, pull up a feelings wheel. I literally had to do this for so long, I was working with a coach and she would say, okay, let's ask the questions. She had her things, but she would say like, what are you, how are you feeling today? And I'd be like, fine. And she's like, okay, well, let's pull up the feelings wheel. What on here are you feeling? <laughs> it's totally okay. We live in a world where we're told and encouraged to sort of push our feelings down. And I did that for my whole life. I wasn't allowed to feel like I missed my dad, that I wanted him to be there. And so I stopped feeling those things or mm -hmm. acknowledging them. Mm -hmm. um, so pull out the feelings wheel. How do you feel? Might be disappointed, um, frustrated, disheartened, any of those things. Um, and then what is causing any negative feelings? So if you allow yourself to sort of pull the onion back, get honest, were you annoyed with something at work? Are you frustrated with something your partner said to you? Um, and then what feels good and in alignment? So stepping into what makes you feel really good right now. Maybe you just took a hot bath or you had a really good dinner. And this might not necessarily lead you to what you want to do, but it's just a method for getting started with journaling and getting in touch with your feelings. The more you allow them to come up, the more you're going to start noticing them. And that's where your intuition starts popping up. So this is just sort of a way to be like, all right, let's get into the practice of listening in to what's actually going on inside my head right now. So those are probably my two biggest sort of journaling intuition practices that I would recommend. And I think you were the one who told me, I think it was you, if not somebody, um, <laughs> that if you don't like the idea of meditation, and you don't like the idea of journaling, literally go park your butt on a couch and stare out the window at a tree. Was that you? Yeah. 
I don't know yeah. if it was me, but I say that same thing all the time. Yes. I think Just- it was you. <laughs> um, and it was like this idea of like, it's, and we, you know, I talk about this a lot, but this idea of like moving from doing to being. Um, yeah. And if you don't relate with prayer or you don't relate with meditation or you don't relate with journaling, just go be still like if, and, and nature's a great place to do that. Like if you can go sit outside on the grass or, you know, if it's snowy, sit and look at, look out the window at the snow, but like just letting your mind go into that kind of free association state, I think was what you were leading to in that. Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. Just giving my, I, I keep saying intentional silence and that's not a term that I've come up with. I forget the name of the gentleman who did, but um, a coach that I worked with brought it up with me. And it's just the act of saying, I'm just going to sit and be quiet for a few minutes. I'm just going to sit and be here. Um, and that can be extremely, extremely powerful, especially if you bring an intention or sort of like a question with you because you allow yourself to sort of zero in on that without all the millions of distractions that are around us all the time. Hmm. Okay. So the, so your first tip for people in uh, being able to get intentional about what they want to do and where they want to go is to listen to their intuition. And you gave us a couple tips for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then what? Um, In terms of figuring out what you want to do, I really like the idea um, that I talked about also in the book is creating an authenticity list and a nine lives list. Um, and these are things that I sort of made up and did in, in so many ways in my journey and, and they're as follows. It's very simple to do. So the authenticity list is a list of who you authentically are. Good, bad, ugly. Who are you? So my authenticity list includes successful business owner, passionate female, um, aspiring author, child of divorce, um, loyal and caring friend, um, open-hearted human, introverted extrovert. Um, Mm. So good, bad, and ugly. Who are you? Not who people think you are. Who do you think you are? Mm -hmm. Um, And the second that goes hand in hand with this is the nine lives list, which I think is super, super fun to do. And it's just creating a list of nine careers or professions or lives that you would like to have. Hmm. If, if you could pick anything in the world. So my nine lives list includes a professional dancer, farmer, Olympic athlete, event planner, um, beachside cafe owner, activist, famous artist, Nobel Peace Prize winner. Um, and the value in doing doing those things is one, especially the nine lives list is really fun because you find like, oh yeah, like I would really love to do that. And maybe you won't actually do it and that's fine, but it's more about the idea of like, again, opening up to what you really want, what you really think is cool, what you really want to do because we're told so often what we should do or we feel that we should do something or you get sort of, maybe you're started on a certain career path and you, you don't know that it's right for you, but you don't know what else is next. And so these are some interesting ways of just getting in touch with who you are, what you bring to the world and, um, you know, where you could possibly take it. Like maybe, um, I would never be a professional dancer, but maybe my goal is to get into dance classes and move my body. Like it seems like a small goal, but that could be really life-changing if I'm, let's say moving through a lot of emotional pain or discomfort. 
Um, so playing with those two lists is another um, really fun way of figuring out what it is that you want to do. I love that. I'm totally going to use the nine lives list for myself. <laughs> and I think also, you know, one of the, the things that, um, that a lot of clients come with is that they're like, I just want clarity. I want clarity. I want to figure out what I'm passionate about. I want to figure out what I'm, what I'm supposed to do with my life. And that sounds like a really useful tool for that because I think sometimes instead of kind of letting ourselves um, go wide and like look at all of these different possibilities, we instead just kind of think of one thing or like be, through comparison, we'll see somebody on social media and we'll be like, well, that looks cool. And we'll like, try to go towards that. But then we come up with all the reasons why we couldn't do that or that won't work or we, cause we can't be them. So this idea of like, um, letting yourself, letting yourself be creative and dream of all these different things that you could really enjoy doing and then figuring out, um, what's 1% of that, that you can do in your life right now. Um, that would feel empowering. That seems really useful. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, what, what else? So we we're really helping give you guys a roadmap right now of like, listen to your intuition and then start to do some of these practices to know who you are and to create vision around who you could be or where you could go. Um, what else do you feel like is supportive for people in leveraging the power of intentional choice? Sure. Well, if we move past that and we, we get started with the next part, which is creating a plan. Um, ah, a plan. That's yeah. a brilliant idea. How, how exciting and boring at the same time, right? <laughs> Make a fucking plan. Write yes. that down. Put it in your notes, friends. Make a plan. <laughs> um, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, as I was writing uh, the book, I was was thinking about one of the biggest things I've done in my life, which was move from Vermont to San Diego when I was 23 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and I keep saying when I was 23, because in looking back, I realized how much went into actually doing that. And I, I'm honestly surprised that at 23, I had the wherewithal to actually make that happen, especially seeing like where other people are in their lives in their early 20s. Um, that's not to say I was uh, a brilliant early 20s person, but um Anyway, so in looking at all of this, I created um, a framework. And by the way, you listeners are getting like some serious nuggets into my book right now. <laughs> These are things I have not shared with anybody. Um, and the framework is uh, the CGRA framework, um, which stands for commit to your leap goal, set your ticker, ticker tape goals, which um, are sort of your little goals that are going to get you to the big thing. Um, tap into your current resources and hold yourself accountable. So creating a plan, I, the biggest thing in doing this is I want to make it really easy because even the idea of creating a plan can feel really daunting and overwhelming. Like, again, how do I even do that? Mm -hmm. So for me, the first step to doing that is committing to whatever it is that you've decided you want. Mm -hmm. Um, and by committing to that, I mean, for example, I was a personal trainer for a few years and I decided I wanted to do it. So to commit to that, I bought the book and the study materials, which were a couple hundred dollars. So that's a pretty big commitment. And then even taking that one step further, I booked the um, exam date. 
And I think you like, you still have to pay for it if you don't take it after you book it or something like that. Um, so doing something that's going to really say, I'm committing to doing this. I'm committing to making this next step in my life because it's all about accountability. At the end of the day, you have to hold yourself accountable and, and we can talk about other sources of accountability, but to get real practical, like you're the only person that's going to get yourself there. Um, so committing right away is key. Um, I and would also say your- in committing you yeah. guys, like, um, I would also say in committing, like commit to go all in. If this is something that you actually really want, we tend to do a lot of half-ass committing, which is like, you know, um, I'm committed to this unless something gets really hard. I'm committed to this unless something gets really expensive. I'm committed to this unless something better comes along. And one of the things that I have found, um, really useful is like to declare it to publicly in whatever way that, you know, that feels aligned for you, but also to declare it to yourself in a way that is like, come what may I'm fucking doing this thing. Like come, like come hell or high water. I am doing this because I know that whether I succeed and I'm putting this in air quotes, whether I succeed, whether I fail, um, whether I win or lose or whatever, that I am going to become more of the person that I want to be in the effort. Right. So it's like this commitment of like, are you really in, are you really doing this thing? Because we tend to give ourselves a lot of outs and a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, exits, strategies um, where we could pull out from doing something if something happens. Like even right now, just with your book, like now your book is done. It's a real thing. And now you've got to get it published. And you yep. said, you know, you're in this experience of rejection and self-doubt. And it's like, but what I heard from you in our, in the last time we talked is there's a commitment there. That's like, I'm doing this no matter what. And if that means I publish it myself, if that means I publish it in a year, if that, like, whatever that means, um, it's happening, you know? So thanks for letting me interrupt. I felt very strongly about that. (laughs) That's good. No. And that's, and that's an important thing that I talk about as well, which is if you don't have a strong enough why, and I, I, the term like have a why the phrase is like super buzzwordy, but like I call it in the book, your North star. Mm. If you don't, if you don't really, really want it, you're not going to do it because you are going to come up against stuff that's going to be hard. Like no matter what, you are going to come up against challenges. And if you don't really want that thing, if I didn't really want to write this book and impact people's lives and get out there and show people that they can do what it is they want to do, I could very well stop right now mm-hmm. and do what so many authors do and leave this book on the shelf for three years before I get up the nerve to do it again. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep going, but I have a really strong why for it. So in committing you know, consider that. Do, are you willing to work through the hard stuff to get there? And if the answer is no, then it may be time to look a little bit deeper again at what you want to do. Like, am I just doing this because this is what I think I'm supposed to do? Or is it really something I'm excited about? So if it's a Um, yes, and then they get to move to their ticker tape goals. Tell us a little bit about that. So I just wanted to, I I find that people don't know where to start. Like, like you said, how do I start 
start? What's the first thing that I do? And so the idea of a ticker tape goal is you have your, your leap goal. That's the big dream. That's the thing you want to accomplish. Your ticker tape goals are the little steps you're going to take to get there. So that could be as simple as for you, Amelia, with you guys traveling, it's as simple as researching where are family-friendly places. One of the ticker tape goals might be where are family-friendly places to live in Europe or mm-hmm. for expats in Europe. Um, and then the next ticker tape goal might be research how much it costs to live there. The third might be research potential housing opportunities. You know, all of these things come before you actually buy the ticket, before mm-hmm. you actually jump and do the big thing. Um, and a way to get there, I like to think of it as like, um, what are they called? Um, rush, like, Russian nesting dolls. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so you see like you have one particular goal or one thing to do, but like unpack that to three further goals. So even unpacking the research piece, like research where we want to go, maybe break that down into three more goals, three more ticker tape goals. So that might be um, research Spain, research France, research Portugal. So again, it's just all about making it super, super easy and attainable because a lot of people are working full-time jobs or raising children or working three jobs. Um, And at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is sit down and work on this sort of like passion project, you know, or sort of moving into this new area of your life. And so by breaking it down and making it really, each step really, really simple, you're more likely to succeed. And the more you succeed, the more confident you feel, the more likely you are to keep pushing forward. Um, so that's the deal with ticker tape goals. Keep Absolutely. it small, keep it simple. And I like what you just said, because I talk about this when I talk about making friends with fear. The ticker tape goals are a way that you can create nervous system habituation with whatever the thing is. So those are just big words to basically say like, when we're stuck in overwhelm or we're stuck in fear, a lot of that is um, because we haven't done, we don't, we haven't done the thing and we don't know how. And so when you can do these little pieces, like you're saying, each little piece is going to give you more confidence. It's also going to help your entire self, but primarily your nervous system, learn more of how to do the thing and then feel more comfortable taking a bigger bite on the next step. So yeah, that's really, that's really helpful. Um, what about tapping into current resources, especially for those who are like, I don't have any resources. <laughs> I don't have any money and I don't have any, any friends. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have anything. Talk to us about resources. Yeah. So resources is, um, basically anybody you've ever known. I mean, we could even go back to teachers, college professors who you think could help you in some way. And it's not just people. It's also things like that outstanding Udemy credit that you have, or, um, the person, um, I guess it's a person, but like the person who's offering free business, your friend who's offering free business coaching lessons. Um, We all have these people in our lives. For example, when I moved to San Diego, I had a friend who we weren't great friends at the time. Actually, you're good friends with her, Caitlin Parsons. Mm -hmm. Um, She's one of my very best friends, but she, we weren't very close at the time, but I knew she was moving to San Diego and she knew someone who had lived there his whole life. 
And so I reached out to her and said, does he have any, um, any suggestions on like better locations in San Diego than others? Like where maybe is like safe for like my husband, my now husband and I had no idea. We'd never been to San Diego. We didn't know where to live. <laughs> um, that's an example of a resource in a way that maybe seems um, not so like businessy because it doesn't have to be. Um, so it's just like, where can you, where can you get help? So that could be from teachers. It could be from family. It could be from your aunt. It could be from friends, people that you think can help you get closer to where you want to go, whether that's providing advice, whether that's connecting you with someone, whether that's lending you something. Um, it depends on, you know, what you're trying to do, but that's basically it. Make a big long list. And then perhaps your ticker tape goals, you have a goal for each one of those people for reaching out to them. So, you know, maybe Tuesday night you're reaching out to three of those people and Wednesday night you're reaching out to another three um, and just sort of getting that ball rolling because we have more at our fingertips than we realize. Um, and, and probably if you stuff. think that you don't, I'm just going to call you out right now and say yeah. that you probably have a lot of pride that's standing in the way. Mm. Um, because I mean, I'm not suggesting, uh, maybe I am suggesting that you do this. If you go out there and you look at the incredible volume of experts on any given topic with whom you are able to book a free call, Mm -hmm. Book your ass a free call with like 500 different people and learn, you know what I mean? Leverage yeah. those tools. There's a thing called the library. And like you right. said, Google, like you have more resources. If you have the ability to be listening to this podcast, then you probably have either a smartphone or you have a computer, which means you have more resources than you think you do. Um, right. And so also being willing, this is, you know, this area of tapping into resources, especially when those resources are people, this is where one of our limiting beliefs of, of, um, oh, but you know, why would they want to help me? Like yeah. if you don't ask, you're never going to know. And if you, you know, there's a difference between asking for help and support in a way that is in integrity and then just, you know, being a, um, a greedy energy vampire, right? So like, I'm not telling you to be a greedy energy vampire, mm -hmm. but I am saying like, if you know of someone who has done the thing that you want to do, um, and you respect them and admire them and you want to learn from them, like, let them know, put that shit in an email or send them a video message and be humble, but ask for what you want because the worst that can happen is nothing. The worst that can happen is you will not get any reply at all. A, a no is actually better than that because a no is open line of communication. And in right. a no, there's some form of information. Um, and that might be like, no, because I'm currently too busy, which is then an invitation to be like, great, can I check back with you in a month? Um, or whatever it is. Like, you know, one of the things that my friend Jenna Corelli says, especially when you're you're pitching or you're looking for collaboration or you're looking for support is that she will follow up with someone five to 10 times <laughs> to get what she wants. And I'm like, that's crazy. But also I respect that because, um, there, I will just share like for myself personally, there are times that people have approached <coughs> me with a particular request or a request for information or a request for help or a request for a meeting. Um, and it's not always going to be a yes, because maybe in that moment, I'm just like not able to do that. 
But if I get a third or a fourth message from that person and not again, where they're being an annoying energy vampire, but they're really just like, Hey, you know, I've reached out a couple of times. I realize you, you're super busy and you may not be able. Here's why you are the person that I'm trying to connect with on this. And here's how I'll make this as easy for you as possible to connect with me. I'm going to give that person the time of day. Um, so just really check in with yourself. Are you resisting tapping into current resources because of pride? And if you are, um, stop that shit. <laughs> stop it. You're, you're just um, setting up barriers that don't need to be there. Um, and the more you practice, just like with the ticker, ticker tape goals, the, the easier it gets. Um, and like, I have no shame. Like when Jess and I got on the initial call to talk about her being on the podcast, I was like, hey, while I have you, tell me everything I need <laughs> to know about traveling the world. Um, and she was really <laughs> gracious about sharing her resources with me. So um, that's my, this has been my TED talk. Thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great TED talk. Um, and so true. And I talk a lot about um, resistance because we, it'll show up in a million different ways. And that's just one of them and recognizing that and um, starting to realize when that resistance is happening is, is so key in moving toward those big dreams because it's going to pop up in, in many areas. So, um, so I love that. Um, but what comes next? So you're reaching out to people, you're rocking and rolling, um, is accountability. Um, and that's a really big piece, um, in my opinion, because, because if you, you can't hold yourself accountable, you have to find someone who will. Um, and so I give a few ways to do that. Um, the first one being, um, find an accountability partner. Um, this is someone who, as Amelia, as you said, um, announce, sort of like declare in your commitment, declare what you want to do. An account accountability partner is someone you can declare to. So I want to do this and I want you to hold me accountable to continually taking steps towards doing that. Um, I don't necessarily have like a, a cut and dry framework necessarily for setting up an accountability relationship. Um, all that I suggest is that you find someone who's not going to take your bullshit. <laughs> so when mm -hmm. you're coming in with resistance, when you're coming in with that self-doubt, they say, I see you, I see that, but I know that you're better. Like, I know you can do this mm -hmm. and I'm going to continue to hold you accountable to making it happen. So like, for example, like your parents probably aren't a great accountability partner, um, because they're probably going to give you the benefit of the doubt and they just want to nurture you, but like maybe your best friend, um, maybe a coworker, maybe an old boss, someone who, um, I also find someone who is also sort of moving toward their dream, someone who really believes in it because if they don't believe in it, you know, their cynicism is going to come through. So you want to find someone who's also actively moving toward a life that they want to live. Um, and I'm sure you have someone like that in your life right now. And if you don't get yourself out there and find your tribe, or I don't really like that phrase tribe. Um, Thank I you say, so much for correcting yourself on that yeah, one. I don't like it. I say, find your flock mm, <laughs> in the book. Better. Yes. Um, better. But find people who are doing what you're doing um, because people want to support you. You just have to ask them again. Maybe that resistance comes in because you don't want to ask. Um, but if you really want to make this happen and you know for sure that you've picked up and put down this project 15 times before, hold yourself 
be integrous and, and ask someone to support you, to help hold you accountable. And you can do the same. You know, it can be a mutual relationship where the two of you hold one another accountable and check in once a week or once a month. Um, that's one thing. I feel like I'm talking for a while. Is there anything you want to say, Amelia? About, no, I mean, I think holding yourself accountable is actually one of the things that's, that's really challenging. Um, so my, I, I'm in agreement with what you shared. And I would also say like, I would say simultaneously give yourself grace because the thing is, if you're mm. like, oh, I fucked up, I didn't do it. And then you let that be the excuse or the exit point at which you're just, you just abandoned the whole thing. Um, like, don't do that. You know what I mean? Like with, with, I can't tell you guys how many times I've set a deadline to write my book and guess, like I'm talking for the last 10 years and guess <laughs> what? It's still not done. So yes, I need to hold myself accountable. I can also give myself some grace and be like, yeah. well, look at all of these other things that I've done along the way. Um, I'm not going to let myself out of that, that commitment that I made to my goal of writing this book. And so what I can identify is like, okay, I'm going to give myself grace, but simultaneously realize that the ways in which I've been attempting to hold myself accountable suck. They don't work. So I need to right. find different ones. So don't be afraid to experiment. If what you're doing isn't working, try to do something else. Um, and I think, you know, I think that holding yourself accountable is, is, is best done with love and compassion mm -hmm. and kindness um, instead of being punitive to yourself. Agree. Um, yeah. So that's my, that's my only thing. Be nice to yourself. Yeah. So they're going to make a fucking plan. And, and this is like, I mean, you've given us so much value. Like, I feel like if, if, if we go through these steps, just that we've named here, we're probably going to be moving our happy butts <laughs> towards our destination. Um, but is there, is there anywhere further that you wanted to take us with how to really powerfully get intentional about what we want and, and how to get there? I mean, gosh, there's so much more we can say, right? Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that I try to stress in everything that I say is just do the fucking work. Mm -hmm. You can dream, you can visualize, you can make a plan, but if you are not willing to do the work, and that's outside of accountability. I mean, yes, hold yourself accountable to doing the work, um, but if you're not going to do that, then, it, then nothing else matters. Um, and so that means like when something comes up and you, you run into a roadblock that you're going to keep pushing past it. You're going to look mm -hmm. at it, you're going to see it, and you're going to keep moving forward. Um, you know, and things like being clear on your why is really valuable. Understanding where resistance is popping up is really important. Um, that happens to me all the time, especially when I was writing the book. Um, this is a good one. I'll, I'll pop this in quickly. Um, cause I think it's also important is know when you need rest. Mm -hmm. Um, so do the work, but if you're running yourself ragged, you know, you're either going to give up or your work is going to suffer. Um, so being honest with yourself when you know, you need to maybe take a night off or spend a whole weekend just doing nothing. Um, so off, you know, we live in like this, this hustle culture where everyone feels like they need to be doing more and more, but at the end of the day, when you get quiet, and we sort of um, alluded to this earlier, when you get quiet, that's when some you know things maybe become more clear. 
that's for me when we were traveling. I think that's why it was such a creative time for me and why I was even able to write this book because I was doing so much less. Like I was exploring Mm -hmm. the world, but I wasn't working. Like I now work at least 10 hours less a week, if not more than I was working before we left because I realized I didn't need to be working that much. I could give myself more rest. And in fact, I would be better when I got back to the work. Um, so that's a really, uh, that's one that I really want to stress is, is be honest with yourself when you know you need the time and give yourself grace when you need that time instead of, I often, um, I would often compare myself to a friend of mine who is a real estate agent and she works 16 hours a day, you know, pretty much her and her husband. And I would say like, well, she's working all this time and you only worked five hours. Like you should be doing more. And that's, you know, that's, that's not healthy. And she can choose to do that. That is what she needs to do. That is not what I need to do. And so giving yourself compassion and allowing yourself to rest when you know you need it. Um, Yeah. That's one of my pet peeves. I was involved with a project for a while where like the other people involved in the project were literally sending me work related messages at 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, do not text me at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) I am not working at 11 o'clock at night. Um, but also like, I just learned to put my phone on do not disturb in airplane mode. Cause I was like, you bitches can work all night if you want to, but I'm going to rest. Yeah. (laughs) It's really important. Yeah. Put up those boundaries. Um, so I'll say this, if you're getting some great inspiration from this, if you're starting to feel like, okay, this big, goal that you, um, or desire that you connected with at the beginning of this interview, if it's, if it's starting, if you're starting to see, um, some little light bulbs go off in terms of how you can actually move in that direction. Um, we are doing a giveaway just is very generously offering a, um, a free one hour coaching call to walk you through her signature process of how to get intentional, Um, about what you want to do and how to leverage that power of intentional choice to actually take action on one of your big dreams. So um, if you're listening, we have an opt-in, it's linked in the show notes below, and you can go um, and drop your name, your email address, and come and follow both of us on Instagram if you're not already following. So um, hers is at Jessica Thiefels, and that's also linked in the show notes below. Mine is at Amelia Travis. Um, that's linked in the show notes below. Come give us a follow, drop us a DM and just put your email in the opt-in. Um, and we're going to be giving away, um, a call that's normally valued at over $200, but to, to give you some clarity and some real direction, um, on this. And normally Jess, we normally do a book club. Um, we're not going to do a book club today because we're waiting for your book, <laughs> but, um, I would love for you to share, um, if there's any last words of wisdom or, or any, um, resources that you feel really passionate about that you would just, you know, you just have to mention before we, before we wrap today. Hmm. No a book that really helped you, or it could be, um, it could be just like if, if somebody, you know, ran into you in the grocery store line and they're like, I really want, you know, if they didn't have time to listen to this whole episode and they're like, I really, really want to do this thing, but I'm feeling stuck and I don't know how to move forward. Just any last words of encouragement that you would speak to them? Yeah, I would say start back at the beginning. What we, what we talked about, which was the mindset work and why you're not moving forward. Um, and a book that I would recommend for that um, that was really powerful for me 
was The Four Agreements Mm -hmm. by Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh, Mm -hmm. He talks about um, a lot about sort of that, the idea of limiting beliefs, but he brings in a lot of really incredible information um, based on Toltec wisdom and um, some spiritual stuff. And that opened my eyes in a really big way to um, a lot of things that were holding me back personally, which in turn was holding me back in my business. Um, so I think, I think picking up books like that is the quickest way to start moving in the right direction because it gives you the inspiration and oftentimes tools that um, you didn't know were available to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I love that book. We've, we, uh, we'll link that one in the show notes for you guys below too. So make sure that you opt into this giveaway, you guys, so that you can, um, so that you can, that's you taking action, right? That's you mm-hmm. doing something. So we're giving <laughs> you a clear opportunity to do something. Um, and if you have any questions about anything that she shared today at Jessica Thiefels, that's T-H-I-E-F-E-L-S. That's her Instagram. So go give her a follow, send her a DM, share what your big desire or big dream is, um, the thing that you're calling in and leverage this power of accountability um, with us. You can DM me too. Let me know. And Jess, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Um, it's really just such a blessing to have you here. And I look forward to to the book when it comes out. Have we landed on the name yet so people can be looking for it when it comes or is it still a... Well, I have the name, but depending on the publisher and how the publishing process goes, it may be different. So that's when I've been sort of, why I've been sort of tight-lipped. So just follow me on Instagram and I'm always, whenever I have juicy updates, I'm sharing them. So um, there you go, guys. Yeah. And definitely follow her too if you are an aspiring author. Um and or if you want to learn more about content marketing because she's the shit at that so go give her a follow (laughs) just thank you so much for taking the time with us today we appreciate you and you guys thank you so much for listening and we'll see you guys again in the next episode thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on another episode of totally stoked podcast If you love this episode, if it impacted you in some way, please grab a screenshot and share it right now to Instagram stories, tag Stoked Yogi, hashtag Totally Stoked Podcast. Each week, we'll grab one listener who shared and send you some Stoked Yogi swag. Also, if you love the show, please subscribe, share it with a friend, or head over to iTunes right now and leave us an honest review. Your support and feedback make this show possible. If you have ideas about how we can improve, please send them to podcast at stokedyogi.com. Until next time, you guys, keep showing up, loving people, telling the truth, and remember, keep living your life totally stoked.